from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is the legal hour. We're doing it the legal hour tonight before the leadership hour. So, uh, yeah, I just want to greet the, the, the listeners very warmly. And of course, my guest, uh, my normal guest tonight, I have with me Faisal Bardin. Assalamualaikum, Faisal. Waalaikum salam, Iksan, and all the listeners of VOC. And Nazir just sent me a message now. He's running five minutes late. And um, he, when he says five minutes, um, I'm sure he just left home. But I mean, uh, I'm hoping he's going to be uh, uh, soon. But tonight we're talking uh, marriage, partnerships, and property battles. And this is because, uh, you know, I've had quite a few inquiries about ladies who's worked all their life. They've contributed to the bond. They were married. Um, Their husband had the house in their name. And now, when there's a divorce or there's a problem... The lady has absolutely nothing in her name, but she has contributed. And the normal um, response, you know, during this space of divorce is that the husband says, Yeah, my because he maybe paid the bond, but she paid for everything else. She paid the electricity, she paid the, well, she bought the food, she made the food, she cleaned the house, she raised the children. She did all those things, but at the end of the day, she was not, her name was not attached to the house. So tonight we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about a situation where people are only married Islamically, but they are are 50-50 owners of the house. And what you do in that situation when there's a divorce, and I'm sorry that we that it's always about divorce, you know, and it sounds very negative, but I think people, you know, even if you are happily married, you know, you must always look at what could potentially happen, and it's not just about divorce; it could potentially also be about the death of your loved one, and then what do you do in respect of the property? So tonight we we're looking at some of those issues, and uh, Nazir will um, will join us soon. But Faisal, maybe just quickly, I mean the uh, the topic is uh, marriage and partnerships. So maybe we must just give a definition of a partnership, and especially in relation to two people or three people or four people deciding to buy a property. Um, normally, they don't register a company for that purpose. They just put it in their own names. Just, just take us through that quickly. Yeah, you know, in uh, the true sense of a partnership, if people think of a partnership, they think of a business. They think of people getting together, forming a partnership is a document you sign in respect of a business. And, you know, what does each partner do? One partner maybe contributes the cash and the other partner maybe contributes the expertise. So that are people normally think of a partnership. Um, other than that, when it comes to immovable property, you have a situation with when the husband and wife uh, you know, enters into an agreement whereby they purchase the property. 
and if they purchase the property in both in names, they then are forming a partnership in respect of that property. So in that instance, it's also a partnership. They might not uh, think of it in that way, or they might not record a partnership agreement regarding that asset. And that is where maybe one of the problems lie, because it's not recorded in the sense of the fact that both parties own the property, they don't maybe stipulate who's responsible for the rates, who's responsible for the maintenance, who's responsible for the bond. You know, those issues are not... Uh, so so you're saying maybe that it ought to be in a type of a partnership agreement, even if it is husband and wife. Yes, you know, that should clarify um, exactly, you know, what roles each party plays when they enter into this agreement, when they purchase this property. Now, many a times I think it could be an oral agreement. They go, they buy the property, they register a bond on the property. Each mm-hmm. party, so strictly speaking, each party is supposed to be liable for 50% of the expenses and entitled to 50% of the income, you know, and that's how you're supposed to split it 50-50 down the line. Yeah, but when it comes to yeah. a family, it's a bit mm. difficult in the sense of either my husband might say, well, I'll cover the bond, you cover... All uh, the, all the, all the know, disposable expenses. Yeah, yeah, you know, that type of thing. There might be that type of arrangement in place and sometimes it's, it's, it's not even, you know, discussed. Mm. As such. And that makes yeah, it more because and more I mean, uh, the, I mean, there's of course marital bliss at the beginning when Amal is happy and you know that uh, nothing can go wrong. But the assumption must always be, you know, I need to protect myself. You know, they must tie your camel, and yeah. uh, a lot of people forget about tying that camel when they are in the confines yeah. of, uh, of marriage. I think they must also look at it as a financial transaction because you're buying an asset, you have to pay for the asset, you are contracting with a bank. Uh, in, in raising a mortgage bond and the bank looks at uh, both parties uh, jointly or severally so you know in that respect you need to um, you know protect yourself yeah look I've had a situation very recently where um, husband and wife got married wife was working at a, at a normal insurance company and uh, husband was working in the bank Husband could get a preferential um, interest rate if he obviously buy, buys the house on his own, and which he does. And he buys, they buy this house, and they live very happily ever after for about ten years, until the husband then loses his job, and then of course you know poverty came in by the by the back door, and suddenly they were not so happy anymore. And then of course the the wife wanted out. And then, and the husband obviously was a bit depressed. He didn't even want to work anymore. He was just uh, sitting at home. And when she said, look, let's sell the house and we each go our own separate way, he says, well, it's my house. And why should I, you know, give you anything? Mm. And they ended up in the interdict court, you know, for, you know, uh, at least about five, six times they were there. It was extremely ugly. Now the wife is installed in the house and the husband has an interdict against him that he can't go to his own house. Mm. So now he's going to obviously have to, to do a whole lot of uh, legal shenanigans in order to get him his rights back. You know, And that's when um, Nazir comes. In fact, I just heard the bell, and I'm assuming that's him. He will be talking to us about appointing a receiver um, in, in mm. cases where a husband... Well, in this case, in, in that particular case... It's a situation whereby the woman would have a right 
to, to maybe claim a universal partnership, and in that we get over 50%. Mm. But just, just as far as, you know, once you take that step into the legal action, you must understand that the legal action step, whether it is appointing a receiver, whether it is uh, getting interdicts and things like that, you start with your legal costs. Mm-hmm. The legal costs can uh, escalate at a phenomenal rate, especially if you're sitting in the high court, especially if you, you know, doing an application in the high court. You know, the costs, you know, it's phenomenal. And people don't realize how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive to litigate. Yeah, look, I so, just, mm. so what I'm trying to say is before you go that step, it is maybe wise then to, you know, sit down. Um, if you can't sit down together, get a mediator and then look at the the issue of the property. And if you cannot afford to keep that property, it is maybe a good idea then to look at, you know, parting with that property mm. and at least getting something out of that um, that transaction whereby you sell that asset you ex- you settle all your debt, especially if your bond is in arrears and your rates is in arrears and all that. Uh, get rid of that debt and then you know get the change, whatever the change is, and then start afresh. Mm. But if you're going to be fighting, 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 and you sell it, then at the end of that fight, I can guarantee you that change is going to be much less. Yeah, no. Look, the bottom line is, I mean, lawyers are charging. I mean, lawyers that's obviously uh, but senior. They're charging. Anything between 1,700 and 2,500 rand an hour. And, um, I mean, people can't even afford one consultation, mm. let alone taking it into litigation. I mean, the cheapest uh, advocate today charges about 17,000 rand a day. You have to pay your attorney and advocate. And you must still pay the attorney. So you're looking at about 25,000 rand a day in court. And sometimes these disputes are complicated. Mm. And you'd spend three or four days. By the time you get your change, mm-hmm. you're going to get nothing. And the receiver must be uh, paid as well. And the receiver gets paid. But Nazir will take us through that a bit later. I'm getting a whole lot of uh, messages through here, and uh, I will read it out. Um, I just need to, to, to get a sense from the technician uh, how many minutes we got left uh, before we must give over for Maghrib. And he's looking, but it's fine. Uh, well, maybe we can tackle... Only two minutes left. <laughs> maybe a short question that we can maybe tackle there. Uh, maybe get rid of... Yeah, no. Deal, not rid of. Get deal yeah, well, one uh, or two questions. Yeah. Look, I just want to firstly greet Nazir. Assalamu alaikum, Nazir. Wa alaikum salam, Ihsan, Faisal, and to the rest of the VOC <laughs> listeners. So apologies for being a little So late. you broke the law now, Nazir, <laughs> because you probably drove from Craven Beetle here within five minutes. Exactly. Funny enough, I was actually driving already when I sent you that text, but I heard what you had to say. <laughs> so yeah, but we're glad you're here safely, um, Nazir. So, yeah, is there any questions? So, Nazir, you still broke the law. You checked your text while you, you, you were driving. So, audio text. So, you pleaded not guilty to the first charge, but you certainly admitted to the second charge. <laughs> okay. So, the, the Faisal, it's it's long questions. I don't think okay. we're going to be able to okay. do justice to it. Uh, it's 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 not. Um, I'm going to read it quickly, and then after we've read it, we can hand over and we can go make maghrib and we come back and we'll deal with it. I'll read it again. Uh, the first one is here. It says, Salam, Ihsan and Faisal, and everyone. My ex and I got divorced like seven years ago. The property is on both our names. 
he still lives in the house and I still pay towards the bond. It comes with my banking account, but I don't have any pleasure of the house. Can I legally say that he has no right over the house or what is my options now? He lives there, pays the rights and that's it. But for the sake of the kids, I don't want to sell the house. But what, what is the best option for me? That he don't benefit too much from it. Please advise Kamala. That's the one thing. And the second one is um, a couple divorced about 15 years. Um, they have no contact since. However, the house is still on his name. She pays all the bills. She always has what are rights. And you won't sign the house over. And then the last one I'm going to read. Um... Mr. Higgins departing, what gives the court the right to evict a homeowner from his rightfully legally acquired home and make the owner homeless? Okay, that's obviously within the realm of evictions, but we will try to deal with it as well. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the legal hour with Isan Higgins. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We are back with the legal hour. I've got Faisal Pardin here with me and I've got Nazir Parker and we're talking about marriage um, and we're talking about um, partnerships and um, also what happens, you know, if uh, people fight with respect of the house. So we call it a property battle. Um, just on a, a totally off topic, as somebody just sent a, a message now. I mean, they're supposed to send in questions, and we've got a lot of that, but somebody sent a very interesting one. I said that Cheslan Kobe is Sufanach, I would say, must calls. So, as um, <laughs> a bit of a lighter moment, you know, in this dark topic of divorce. Um, yeah, but anyway, coming back to the questions. Uh, there were three questions that you yeah. uh, read Let, out. Yeah, let's just start from number one again. Let's go so. to the first one, yes. Uh, it says, yeah, my ex and I got divorced like seven years ago. The property is on both our names. He still lives in the house and I still pay towards the bond. It comes off my banking account and I don't have any pleasure of the house. Can I legally say that he has no right over the house? And what is my options now? He lives there, pays the rates, and that's it. And for the sake of my kids, I don't, I didn't want to sell the house. But what, what is the best option for me? Um, that he don't benefit too much from it. <laughs> Please advise. I don't know if you uh, said that the uh, yeah, house was in both their names. Or? Yeah, that's the first thing, that the property is both their names. So uh, it's exactly what we spoke about earlier. It's a partnership, yeah. It's on both their names. So even though they are divorced, mm. there's a 50-50 split there, I'm assuming. When I go over the first in Nazir, you can maybe just tackle the, 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 the latter part. Yeah, look, if, you, if you're in that situation, you're not getting any joy or benefit from the house by not living in the house. And obviously, you know, you're coming short mm-hmm. and you're paying the bond, he's paying the rates. And obviously, the bond amount is normally much more than what the rates amount on the property is. So if, if in that partnership whereby a property is owned 
and you cannot sit down and have perhaps a meeting of a mediator to tie and resolve the situation. Well, so let me just say, you know, that before you even talk about mediator, you know, people must first try to have a conversation, you know, normal conversation yeah, without the assistance. We're assuming yeah. they've passed that stage. Okay. However, if you haven't, then yes, you need to first sit down and talk, make your your figures. Now, if one party makes sums and figures and the other party makes more figures always not the same figures that they mm-hmm. come to and that's fine that's fine if you come up with different figures it's fine uh, but that's a starting point and you start from that point and now you try to reach that middle road and if you can't reach that middle road between yourselves then get help get a mediator get somebody who understands you know this um this calculations that we are talking about and somebody who is going to be fair and is going to be um you know try and and assist you in ge- in reaching your uh, resolution to that if that fails the mediator or the uncle or the you know brother or sister or somebody independent who's going to try and mediate if that fails and then we come to the application which uh, Nazir can speak about a bit more is the high court application where you appoint somebody who's going to take yeah, that role Faisal, just stop there for a second before we get to, to, to that uh, drastic step uh, there's a, a thing in here where the woman says for the sake of my kids I didn't want to sell the house so the assumption would be that that's one of the factors, you know, that maybe mm. that um, the... Well, look, I mean, if she doesn't want to sell the house, she wants to keep the house as an investment, but she still has to deal with the person who's living in the house. Mm. So if you're keeping the house, you then have to sit down and say, okay, I want to keep the house, I'll continue bonding, bond, paying the bond, but let me buy your share, mm. you know, and then I know I'm paying the bond, and the person who's staying there in the house must pay a rent. If he mm. doesn't want to pay a rent, then she has to get somebody else who can pay a rent. Mm. If she wants to keep the house. Okay, Nazir, what is your take on it? Oh, I just want to take the point of Faisal made now a little bit further. She's already lost out on seven years at least of a, of a benefit of a rental. Um, and chances are that's just going to continue uh, until she takes the necessary steps. Um, if it comes to the liquidation of the asset, then the and all these steps that Faisal's mentioned now doesn't work, then the only alternative would be to go and approach a high court for an independent individual such as a receiver to be appointed and to then liquidate the asset. Okay, but now let's just go through, before you go through that particular process, and as Faisal said earlier on, it's, it's a very expensive process, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you must basically pay the legal fees, ad- attorney, advocate, and receiver. That's right. So there's three different parties that need to be paid, and the trauma, of course. So the first step would be, if one must just now summarize, is one, she should actually have a meeting with her ex and say, listen, this can't go on. Mm-hmm. Um, we must make a decision. There's three options here. One is we either sell it, or you buy me out, or I buy you out. Is that the three phases? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay. So that so then that's okay. Now let's assume for a second that um, he is reasonable and he's, he's saying okay, that's fine. Um, he'll go with one of the options, or he goes with none of the options. Now, I just want to deal with one more thing. It says, because, because she made mention of for the sake of the kids. Yeah. There's also the fourth option of transferring the property into a name of a trust. Yeah. And yeah, so maybe we'll just deal with that quickly. Yeah, Sean, if, if there's already a, stop, uh, a trust that's been established, then the parties can 
You can register a new trust, the parties mm. can then make the decision that they want to transfer the interest to the trust. The trust will then become the owner of the property and the, the children will then be cited as the beneficiaries. beneficiaries. And mm. perhaps the two parents can be appointed as the trustees. So mm. that will, the, the, the question of the trust is, so who's going to pay the expenses? Who's going to pay the bond? And who's going to pay the rates? Who's mm. going to pay the maintenance? And all those things. Yeah, need well, to I be imagine addressed. if you're going to transfer it to a trust, the bank is going to want to see settlement of the bond in the personal names, and the trust is going to have to register a new bond. So yeah, yeah. So, there's all of those. So there's still the financial aspect. Yeah. So that is a, a route you can go. Mm. But don't go blinding that route without discussing the finances. Yes. Yeah. That is why it's very important in a case like this that somebody definitely needs to take legal advice. Look at those four options, which is uh, the most viable. And uh, she also says, look, uh, the question, uh, the last part of it, she says, and uh, what's the best option that you don't benefit too much? So let's say the call is all very careful. There is a divorce order. So if the court order says that it, uh, the, the, the property must be split between the parties, then there's nothing she can do about that. So I think I think we've now solicited We'll uh, and I'm hoping if that lady wants to take this further, she's welcome to to contact the legal cafe uh, or any of the attorneys sitting here in the in the studio. Um, bearing in mind, you know, then it's not free time anymore. It's free time now. But so thank you for that um, for that uh, very interesting question. Um, the next one, Faisal, we spoke couple uh, divorced for about 15 years they have no contact since however the house is on his name she pays all the bills she always has what are her rights if he won't sign over the house so the house is in his name no uh, see, that's what you said yes yes it's in his name yes. in his name but she's paying all the bills yes yeah and they divorced for 15 years mm. yeah so I don't I'm assuming understand. I'm assuming uh, that he doesn't stay in the house. She stays in the house, but the house is in his name. Oh, okay. Mm. But it's not not said there. It's yeah, but said. I mean but that, 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 that doesn't make sense because mm. why would you be be paying? Mm. Uh, you're not staying in the house. That's what I'm saying. The assumption would be she's staying in the house. But let's assume for a moment that she is in the house. He's yeah. obviously gotten married again. He's moved on. Yeah. Um, but he well, doesn't want to sign the house over to so her. There, there, she would have to make an. Uh, if she's not the co-owner, um, she has to make an offer to purchase the property from him. Because I mean, you can't now deal with it in a divorce because they divorced already for the last mm. fifteen years. Mm. So, um, if she wants to keep the house, she has to acquire the house. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, look, they are divorced for 15 years. Um, yeah, no, yeah, she's saying she's staying in the house. He's remarried with grown-up kids, so the assumption was correct. Mm. Um, Maybe I can just come in there. Funny enough, I have a situation similar to this that I'm handling at the moment. Mm. Um, what we've done was we've basically put in a claim for unjustified enrichment. Um, well, in this case, there's, uh, there might be a divorce order that speci- sp- uh, stipulates certain things. Mm-hmm. But in my situation, I'm dealing Nazir, with... Nazir, once again, I'm going to make an assumption, and maybe I want the listener to, 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 to rectify me on the assumption. My assumption that they were only married Islamically. I get yeah. that. That's uh, that also in, something in I... In that case, maybe your conductor was... Uh, okay, let me not speak Latin. 
maybe you're unjustified in the richmond is correct yes that's, that's what we've done because mm. our parties wouldn't marry they were just in a in a relationship mm, mm. he's gone off overseas and mm. our client was left paying the bills of the bond yeah, so that's it's actually settled the bond yeah uh, so that's a claim is that a claim to the house she can right. yeah so she's brought a claim for unjustified enrichment but uh, it's also kind of mixed with the declarator to declare her the, uh, what was the declarator to declare her the, the lawful owner of the property given that she's been servicing the bond for for many many years so in her case she could possibly also do that it's, it's, it's an expensive process though it is unfortunately we've had to approach the high court and uh, mm. it's one of those things so okay so, so let, let's uh, look the, 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 the unjustified enrichment it, that's not necessary for the high court you can actually go to the match court with that. Yeah, depending on the value. Mm-hmm. My, yeah, my but, 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 but the declarator, you can have to go for the high That's court right. because only the high court can make such a decision. That's right. So... Look, maybe that's a good option for her. Faisal. Mm. What do you think uh, to to go for the unjustified enrichment? Yeah, because you know, like I said, she won't have. She can't go to court and say she she owns half of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to be a bit of a long shot. But I think the unjustified. There's a few long shots in here. I mean, yeah. like I, I can think yeah. of a few long shots, mm-hmm. but um, at the end of the day. Um, if her problem is that he simply doesn't want to sign the house over, but her uh, 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 tenure in the house is not affected. In other words, he's not saying move out or, or you know get out. I would actually say to the, to this lady, don't break something. I mean, don't fix something that is not broken, because. It may be that he doesn't want to sign the house over to you, but he may not want to evict you. And if he evicts you, then you approach a lawyer. And all those defenses that Nazir actually mentioned and Faisal mentioned can actually be your defenses in respect of an eviction order or claim. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's your choice at the end of the day. But don't go waste unnecessary monies on lawyers. We are back with the Legal Hour. I've got Faisal Bardin and uh, Nazir Parker, both attorneys, and we're discussing some of the issues that uh, are arising out of uh, marriage, partnerships, and, of course, the house. Who gets it? Who gets the movables? Who gets the pension funds? All that type of things. And it's not a topic that, you know, that we can exhaust in one sitting. I think we're obviously going to take this a little bit further because it's just become almost an epidemic where people are actually fighting over property, they're fighting over everything. And the one thing they failed to do was to actually look at the financial situation even before the marriage, during the marriage, and, of course, when things go sour. Um people do not actually put pen to paper. Now, if pen was put to paper, no problems. You know, there will be, I mean, if even the questions that we had now, you know, if people had a proper record of what they envisage for the future, then of course, you know, they won't have these problems. But I guess that's why there's lawyers and lawyers can possibly sort these things out. But our mission is to actually limit your expenditure in respect of legal fees, you know, so that you know what to do without having to go for an expensive uh, consultation. So here's another question. The question is, my sister's daughter was married by Muslim rights. 
and now got a fasakh from a husband who works in Saudi Arabia. He hasn't worked for the last seven years. There's a property involved, which is in her name. She wants him to move out, but he don't want to move. What can she do about it to get him out? She pays all the bills, like bond rates, water, electricity, please advise. So I'm assuming this property is in South Africa, and her husband works in Saudi Arabia. So, but now, what I don't understand is she wants him to move out, but he's in Saudi Arabia, and he has not moved out. Anyway, maybe she can just clarify that for us, and I'm going to move to the next question, and please just clarify that for us. Um, there's a few, oh no, yeah, no, she's busy now clarifying it, but uh, yeah, let's just go. Um, Someone just made a comment here, people don't fight over kids anymore. It's all about the dog and the cat when they get divorced. <laughs> sometimes it's true. Um, yeah. No, no. You see, now this is where, you know, wording gets uh, out of... Uh, she made the, the, the small area. Yeah. She said, Fasa uh, from her husband, she works in Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, so if she just had to clarify, she, she, she works in Saudi. Yeah, she Saudi. just had to put a full stop there. So one full stop can cause a whole lot of confusion. Yeah, and he lives yeah, she works in Saudi, he lives here, and he's in the property. Now it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, Nazir, when I have the first bite. Well, it's, Ikhshan, um, if she is the registered owner of the property, she has the right to bring an application for the husband's eviction. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to, first of all, have to cancel his lawful occupation through a written letter to him. And once that is done, she needs to give him a time period of at least 30 days to move. If he doesn't move after that, she needs to bring an eviction application, either out of the magistrate's court or out of the high court. And um, in the application, she'll have to state certain things, and the case will be set down for hearing, and hopefully she will be getting an eviction order. I just want to, I'm reading it again, now, and I'm just realizing now she says here that she got a fasakh from her husband. She can't get a fasakh from her husband. She must get a talak from her husband. So I'm assuming that was done. A fasakh is what, what the woman does, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the authorities. Um, so, so I mean, they're not married anymore. So, I mean, she can be smiller. So yeah, she see. can bring the application. She's got the right and title to do it. If he's not a co-owner, if there's no agreement in place, if there's, you know, normally those issues do come out. If there's other um, issues out there, would could hinder the application. So, but those issues, you know, you need to instruct your attorney to do the application, give him all the facts mm. so that he can put it before the court. Don't uh, hold back. Um, you know, you need to be forthwith in your, in your founding affidavit, yeah. Nazir, how long will it take uh, to get um, evicted? Ikhshan, uh, depending on which court, it could take, I would say the average time now to get an eviction order ranges between three months to six months. Mm-hmm. Depending on which court she issues the, pa- the papers out of, um, normally the High Court these days are more efficient in the eviction application. So I'd say in the High Court reasonably within two months. To Nazir, can I just stop you there for a moment? There's been a judgment about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where the judges have been instructed by the ju- judge president to penalize attorneys for bringing a matter in a in, in the high court, whereas the match court could have dealt with it. I'm aware of that. So one. if you're aware of that, so rather not advise people <laughs> in that direction because they might end up with a hefty cost order against them for bringing being in the wrong forum. Mm. 
That's all. What did you mention something? Yeah, look, I think the people has been going to the, trying to go to the high court, uh, you know, to get a quicker hearing, you know, um, and get a quicker eviction date, etc. Um, but like you said, I mean, you could find yourself in hot water. Yeah, forum shopping is frowned upon nowadays. Yeah, yeah, so, you yeah, so you might get the wrong judge on that day and, you know, you waste a lot of court uh, money in high court. So, no, uh, go through the normal channels. Go through the normal channels. Mm. Um, you know, in the, the match courts, deal with it. we deal with a lot of evictions in the match court. So, you know, and, and I've received some very thorough judgments, which is, you know, written by magistrates. Um, so there is competent people sitting in magistrates' courts. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, they are busy. Mm. So it does take a bit of time. Yeah, so it, it seems a big trend here. And I don't know if, if, if I've got it wrong, but um, it seems like, you know, when when the husband loses his job... You know, then of course it's trouble in paradise. You know, it's mm. and I mean it's not easy nowadays to get employment. Mm. So I mean, once again, yeah, you know, if these people who now wrote in about you know the husband not working and therefore this and that and the other, if they had to have a contract in place up front, they could have looked at some of these eventualities. And I mean, look, of course it's frustrating, you know, having to support someone that is maybe not even making an effort to get the job mm -hmm. but once again it could have been these things can uh, become uh, you know you know you could deal with it um and then of course uh, some people giving some advice pertaining to the fasakh and uh, well, that's shukran for that and um I'm not, not sure why this person mentions the fact that, you know, did she observe an Ida period? I don't think that's of consequence. I think um, if, she, uh, if she's in Saudi Arabia and he sent her a talak, then of course she will have to do an Ida period on that side. I mean, it's got no bearing on the eviction. Yeah. She can still proceed with the eviction. She's not living in the house yeah. with him. So, yeah, I guess that, that sorts that out. Faisal, just coming quickly back to the concept of uh, this um, partnership. What is your advice? And I'm speaking in general now, not just married couples. You know, when people buy a joint property, I mean, you've mentioned a few things. I mean, what do they do? I mean, like maybe it's a brother and a sister. Maybe it's friends. You know, they, they, mm -hmm. they want to, to buy a property together. And I mean, as always, we urge young people to get into the property market as soon as possible. And sometimes people don't want to get married necessarily, but they also can't afford to buy a property on their own. Mm -hmm. So we say to people, you know, get into the property market by getting a friend or two or relative and mm -hmm. say, right, let's buy something. Can you just take them through well, the steps? You, you know, there's a difference if you're buying property for investment purpose or to flip it, you know, and make some money. So you're entering into a business transaction also with a partner, business partner in that sense. Um, so choose your business partners, uh, right? If you're going to go into the business of buying and selling property or investing in property, uh, you know, that's the one aspect. Um, uh, so normally we would say, you know, do it rather than a company, register a company, buy the assets. Yeah, but the there's asset. bigger tax implications. Tax, yeah, so you would do it in your individual names and register both in your names. Um, you know, do an agreement between the, the two parties to say exactly what is the purpose of this uh, partnership. Um, also, that, that 
deals with the tax issue as far as if your intention is to invest or is your intention to you know buy and sell so that um, you need to speak to your accountants about that because uh, the, the tax implication um, then the, the, the couple who's obviously going to get married and buy properties together you know that's a different uh, aspect but it's always wise to record things in writing, to say, listen, we're buying it as a family home, this is the responsibility of the husband, this is the responsibility of the wife in respect of this property. And more particularly, Faisal, when, when, when normally like one of the parents, you know, or one of the couple's parents, maybe give them a deposit, like, okay, yes, 10,000 rand or 20,000 rand, and the other one's parents say, okay, I'm going to pay for the renovation, I'm going to pull the cupboards, whatever, is to record those things and put a value to it. Because when the divorce happens, right. then they say, yeah, but um, we can sell those, but you know, my father must get 50,000 rand, my mother must get 30,000 rand. There's no proof of those things at that point in time. So it might, Nazir, when it's coming to Yeah, that's correct, Ishan, and unfortunately you're seeing that more and more often these days, where those specific examples are taking place and then at the end of the day when the divorce arrives then you have all these heated disputes and the people end up inevitably in court where the parents themselves are also dragged in as guys participants in that process whether it's willingly or unwillingly so mm. uh, i agree with you fully it's better that the, the contributions are valued and reduce the writing and everybody understands and knows what's going to happen in the event of the dissolution of the of the marriage or partner. Yeah, look, you don't get married, you get divorced. But the point is, as I said earlier on, you, you're still tying your camel mm. and you, you want to... Um, you, you want to do justice. And I mean, when people know these obligations attached to getting divorced, they'll be a lot more reluctant to get divorced and they would want to make that marriage work because yeah. it's too much problems. I mean, it's in writing. So in any case, I think that's all we have time for tonight. I'm, I really apologize to all the those people that sent in our, all these um, uh, messages. I'm try to, to screenshot all of it and hopefully I can respond to it via the legal cafe and um, the... Um, yeah, so, so so those people mustn't feel disheartened that the the, the, the queries were not raised tonight. Uh, we, we could only do so much in terms of the time we had. From Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. The Legal Hour with Ihsan.